Good morning. My name is Dominic, and I have the privilege of leading this community and following Jesus, and I'm so grateful that I get that privilege. Um, I'm also excited this morning that uh, I've got some friends up here with me that are actually going to be teaching. Uh, This is Tim and Leslie Betcher. You guys want to say hi? And uh, Tim and Leslie have stepped into Missio in the last year. Um, I've had the privilege of sitting down in their home and them come, Tim coming to my home and just having some conversations and, and talking, hearing about just their journey of faith and their life, uh, how they met Jesus, how they met, and just what God's done in their lives. We've had some amazing conversations about just their heart and feeling called to Missio in ways that they feel called to want to serve. And we're dreaming and praying about some partnerships and some different opportunities. Um, but one of the things that, that I heard and learned about through their story was just a, a ministry that they started uh, in Burundi, Africa back in 2018. And as we're in this new series uh, that we've been in for the last three to four weeks called Here I Am, and we've been looking at different stories of God speaking and getting people's attention uh, throughout the scriptures and people's response of faith and just saying, Lord, I'm here. What would you have me do? Um, their story resonated, and it, and it came to mind. And so as a, as a staff team, as a teaching team, I just shared that with them, and they're like, it'd be so cool to have them share that story. Just to share the story of how here in our current day, God is still speaking, still getting our attention, and still inviting us to take stock of where we are and respond as in faith, saying, Lord, Lord, here I am. And so this morning, that's kind of the heart and the impetus in having them share, is just to give us a glimpse of how God is still communicating and inviting each of us, no matter where we are, no matter what stage of life, no matter what's going on, uh, inviting us to partner with him to say yes to to the redemptive work that he's doing in the world. And so I'm excited that you're going to hear their story today. Um, And they're going to open up scripture. They're going to share the story. They're going to share pictures. And you're going to get to see what God's doing uh, there in Burundi. Um, And whenever we have people share, there's two questions I always want you to think about. Um, I think two most important questions we can always be asking ourselves is, what is God saying to me, and what is he inviting me to do about it, right? And so I want to invite you to take that posture this morning as they open scripture and as they share their story. For us in here listening to be thinking and at home to be thinking, God, as I hear this story, how are you speaking into my story? And also, what are you inviting me to do in response, both to the story that I hear and in response to what I hear you inviting me to in my life? Amen? Can we do that this morning? Yeah? Can we do that this morning? Okay, all right. I'm trying to warm them up for you guys. <laughs> well, let's do this. Um, yeah, would you guys just give Tim and Leslie a hand, and uh, they're going to share this morning. Well, if you applaud before someone speaks, that's a real declaration of faith. Um, we just feel really honored to be, uh, be able to share uh, today. We've only been coming uh, to Missio for about six months, but it's been really, uh, we have never felt so welcomed in a church as we felt uh, here. We just thank you for the open arms and hearts that we've experienced, and it's just been a bit of privilege for us to be, to be here, and, and it is an honor for us to be able to share some of the things that God's been uh, leading us and showing us uh, over time. I'd like to just start by looking at uh, the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 14, and I'd like to look at one of the miracles that is, it's actually the only miracle that's repeated in all of the Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And I'd like to draw your attention just to a couple of things that Jesus says in this, uh, in this incident. So in Matthew 14, I'm going to start reading at verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left, and the news that he heard was that John the Baptist had been beheaded. He left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard that he, where he was headed and followed on foot for many hours 
Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Here's Jesus trying to get a men's retreat, and everybody shows up for it. Here he is, he's got, you know, the meal planning was done, everything was all set up, and he gets there, and boom, it all blows up. But instead of throwing a hissy fit, he sits down and says, I see what's going on here. There are needs here. And he, he begins to minister to them. He has compassion on them. And time goes on in that day. And that afternoon, that evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that we can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. The disciples are seeing needs too. I mean, these are, this is a compassionate move that they're having. They're saying, we, hey, people need to eat. And Jesus says to them, and this is the, kind of the key thing I want to focus on, that isn't necessary. You feed them. <laughs> Think of the, the, the emotions that might have, must have gone through their minds. Here they're seeing a need, and Jesus says, you feed them, and they feel powerless. They feel empty. They feel they don't have anything. In fact, they come back to Jesus, and they say to him, well, look, all we have is like five loaves and two fishes. And that's all we've got. And Jesus takes it, and he multiplies it. And what we've seen and what we've experienced is the fact that we became confronted with a need, and Jesus said to us, do something about it. And we have taken the little we have and brought it to him, and he has multiplied it. (laughs) And it's been an exciting effort for us. It's been something in which we've seen God work, in which we've seen God push us. It's not something we went out searching for by any means, (laughs) but it's come our way. And we're glad, and we feel privileged be able to to have a small part in what God is doing in one little country in Africa. (laughs) Good morning. Um, I'm just going to tell the story of how um, Sowing Hope got started and the need that came about. Um, First, maybe we could put up the slide with the map. Uh, He's already got it. I worked for a nonprofit that gives training to African pastors on how to study and teach the Bible. And um, we always wanted to do alongside the men's teaching time was a women's retreat. Well, we finally were able to organize that and get that together. And I was able, had the privilege to be able to go with um, several other women, four or five other women, and do a training for women. First, we were able to go to Burundi, which is a very small country, land size. Um, It's right on the Lake Tanganyika, and it's by... uh, Tanzania. Thank you, Tanzania. And then up above is Rwanda. So we were in this capital city of Bujumbura, which is right on the lake. Uh, We did a training one week of training for women in foundations of faith, and then we did a day kids club thing, which was just amazing. And then we went to Rwanda and were able to do the same things there. Um, As we were doing this training, um, I have the privilege of being able to speak French because we were missionaries in France for 14 years. And their national language used to be French. So some of the women did speak French, and um, I was able to get to know them as the week went on. I was able to hear their stories. 
I was really touched and burdened by the stories of the women in um, Burundi. Even just experiencing the country that, the way that we did it, which was quite superficial, you could pick up right away that the unemployment rate is huge, massive. I would say 60%. Don't quote me. But when we would drive through a major square um, in the town, there would be thousands of men standing around hoping that work would be coming, you know, that somebody would call them up to work. Um, unemployment rate is quite large. I was... Um, some of the women were telling me that uh, they had had to leave their husbands because of being beaten so badly and they could no longer stay at home. Um, and so they were struggling to feed their children. <clears throat> Other, another gal's husband was an alcoholic and things were very rough in her home as well. And um, then another woman who really touched my heart, her name was Ruth. Uh, I commented, how, you know, how, oh, how old is your baby? You know, strapped on her back. And um, they, she said, uh, he's two. And, you know, and I thought, oh, he can't be any more than one. I said, oh, he's quite small. And she said, well, you know, it's only when I can sell something at the market that I can feed my children. She had five or six children, and her husband had just left. And that's the story for many um, women in Burundi, is um, I think they get so discouraged, the men that they're not able to provide for their families, that they just leave. And so there are a lot of single moms out there. <clears throat> um, so I just felt that I couldn't not do anything. You know, the verse came to mind in James 5, um, 15, about um, putting feet to your faith, right? So if you see a brother or sister in need, and you don't respond, basically your faith is dead. And I thought, I've been given a need, I have to respond. So that night, I came up with a plan. I said, okay, well maybe I could um, talk to some women back in the States and we could provide money for some chickens, full-grown chickens and rooster, and so that they could start producing eggs and sell eggs at the market and sell chickens at the market eventually. And... Um, <clears throat> Uh, so I was able to um, talk with the women the next day. And I said, what, and what do you think this would cost? And they were quite excited about it. So they went to the market, and they sought out people who were raising chickens and, and selling eggs and talked to them and got um, information and advice. And I wanted to make sure they had enough money for a hen house in case there were predators and for um, food for a few months and as well as grown chickens and a rooster. Um, so I talked to the pastor that we were working with at the time. His name is Boniface. And he's a very humble man who loves his people. He has such a heart of um, God's love for his people. And I ran that past him, the idea of um, a chicken and roosters. And he was not too excited. But he said, yeah, if you want to do that, that would be great, because he would have to help me transfer the funds. And um, then um, I brought up the idea of a sewing machine. And he, um, because in, in their country, you, they don't have access to ready-made clothing. They go buy fabric at the, at the market and take it to the tailor or their seamstress to get clothing made. And 
he was all over that idea. He said, we could start a school, a sewing machine school. And I'm thinking, hey, wait a minute. I'm thinking one sewing machine at your church, maybe, so that people could come and sew a little bit and earn a little money. And he just starts going on and on. Yes, we can rent a building and we can start a school and this would be wonderful. And, I, and I'm thinking, oh no, what have I gotten myself into? And um, so I, um, I said, okay, um, let me see what happens. And so I went uh, back home and was praying about it and talking to a couple of friends and they wanted to pitch in. So we were able to send money over for three um, for two women and one man, our translator, who was in desperate financial straits as well, um, for chickens and rooster. Out of, out of those people, um, we, I know that um, one was very successful, and that was Ruth. And she was able to send me pictures back um, of her chickens laying on uh, you know, a nesting on eggs, and she was so excited with this gift. And she was able to buy a little phone as well, which she needed for her business, and, and um, she was very, very, very thankful. Um, then we were able to send enough money over for three sewing machines and also to pay for one month's rent for a building, which was about 75, between 75 and 80 dollars, and um, also to start hiring a, an instructor. So we started out with three sewing machines. Well, they had a um, list of 26 people who wanted to enroll in the school with three <laughs> sewing machines. So um, that at first, they did not, thankfully, take everybody. And we slowly built up to 11 sewing machines. Right now, we have 11 working sewing machines. And, um, but each class, we've, we finally said to the people, hey, wait a minute, could you just please let 15 people come in at a time because that's all we can cover on costs for. And um, he tried to limit it to 15, but the other people pled so hard. They said, even if we don't get a sewing machine, um, please just let us come to the class. And... Um, I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. I'm going to back up. So we started with three sewing machines. Um, Tim and I were just sending a monthly amount, a small $150 a month to keep the school going. Um, slowly, through gifts of different people, we were able to add the sewing machines. Um, but then we realized that only probably about 30% of the people were benefiting from the school because when they graduated, there was no way that they could come up with the funds to purchase a sewing, uh, uh, the full cost of a sewing machine themselves. So um, my um, dad, of all people, pushed me. And if you knew my dad, you would say, this is crazy because he's not the most spiritual man in the world. But um, he pushed me and said, Leslie, you need to provide funds for sewing machines, to subsidize sewing machines for these people when they graduate. And when, um, when he said that, I said, Dad, it's too much work. I don't want to do that because that means I have to become a nonprofit. I don't want a nonprofit. And, but he kept urging me. So finally I said, okay. So I started taking the steps, um, very many, many steps that you have to take to become a nonprofit. And then um, we were able to ask if people wanted to donate funds to supplement to purchase a sewing machine upon graduation. The students are in school for six months 
Um, they have three months beginning class, and then they transfer to the advanced class. Um, we have had, in the school, we've had an engineer come through because he could not find work. We've had a nurse come through because she could not find work. We don't limit it to women, but um, they are the majority of people. I just want to read a little bit of a letter from Boniface of his description of the school. It's called, they have named it, um, the Association uh, Dorcas. Um, it's a school that teaches people how to sew clothes. The school operates with the help of Sewing Hope. With, and Sorry, he says my name. Leslie Betcher from Sewing Hope, along with some of her friends. We are so grateful. The school focus is to teach the vulnerable people, such as widows, orphans, jobless people, children abandoned by parents, daughters who were not fortunate enough to continue their studies. The school goal is enabling them to serve themselves, earn food for their children and their families, helping their husbands. Um, the Dorcas Sewing School has a six-month study program in two periods <clears throat> of the two different levels. We are not only teaching them sewing skills, but we have also morning prayer and Bible devotions. Uh, so every, and right now, currently, we're, doing, we're studying Matthew. And they also have a time of singing. Our next graduation is to be held on June 10th um, of this month. So every three months, we've got a class that's graduating. We ask the students to provide $100. And then we provide $150 to supplement the sewing machine. They also, with that, they get a pair of scissors and a tape measure. <clears throat> Our um, Ruth was also able to go through the sewing machine school. Um, she was not, um, I don't know if she was ever able to buy a sewing machine. I do not know that. But um, she, was, she sent word back to another team that went to Burundi for a time of teaching and that went to go visit the sewing machine school. And she said... Please tell Leslie that this woman has changed my life. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, you know, saying yes to God is costly. Um, it's been a ton of work, and <clears throat> every time we've started to take steps to move forward with it, the attack from the enemy has been huge. It's not, you know, this wasn't my idea, but God just keeps opening the doors. So um, it's, but then the privilege of being able to help people and to change somebody's life, it's amazing. We've had over 400 people go through the school. Um, we've had people from another town um, to take the bus and plead with Boniface, please start a school like this in our town. We need this so badly. We've had another organization also ask us to start a school, but, you know, I'm all for keeping it small. <laughs> I don't know what God's going to do. God's brought another opportunity our way. Tim's going to talk about that. Um, but we're just going to show a few slides of the school itself. <clears throat> so start from the beginning. So if you could start the slides. Great. So this is our trip over there um, at the beginning. Um, we had an amazing week, like I said, with teaching the women. Uh, this, the times of singing and even dancing and um, teaching and 
uh, God really broke through at different times, and the times of tears and weeping, it was just fantastic. Um, go ahead to the next. <clears throat> this is Boniface, and I'm sorry, it's really hard to take pictures of black faces with the dark background, the lighting's, I'm not good at it. Boniface and his wife, um, Anna, who's just a beautiful woman, who I love them both. This is the school itself, and um, we, uh, like you can see, there's many students, um, always, and um, right now, I think they're doing their, the devotional time. They have to, oh, sorry, they have to learn not only to um, sew, but they have to learn how to make patterns. Like, we can go to a store and buy a pattern, and it's got instructions, and you cut out your fabric, and um, I used to be a seamstress, so I know, and, um, but they don't have any access to patterns, so they have to learn how to create the pattern, and then how to actually sew the article of clothing. Here is just... Uh, a morning at the school, again, a group of people. It's, um, we usually always have one or two men. We don't uh, limit it to just women. Go ahead. <clears throat> and again, at the school. Next, thank you. A- another one, the women bring their babies. Sometimes they're nursing their babies. But uh, so life takes place. Yeah, of women learning the finer points of sewing. Go ahead. And um, here's a, before we were providing the sewing machines, they just got a certificate at the end. And um, they got such good training at our school that actually some people who graduated from another school would come to our school to learn better how to sew. Here's where we were able to start supplementing and provide sewing machines for the graduates. And here's Boniface. At, on graduation, he's giving a tape measure and a pair of scissors and then the sewing machine. Certificate. And there's the tape measure. Yeah, and there's certificate. Certificates are important. <laughs> Go ahead. These are some women who actually, um, the next few slides, and you can just kind of keep showing these slides. The next few slides are um, the women um, who graduated Actually, before we started providing sewing machines, this is their business. This is their office. (laughs) Um, There's no electricity. These are pedal machines in the classroom. They have no electricity. And so it's all done uh, by hand. So they have to learn that pedal coordination. Um, But what they did is, like, three women went together to purchase one used sewing machine, and they take turns on different days of using it. So um, these are these women who have done that. They've been super creative. We had one woman graduate, and she was able to afford a sewing machine. And then she was actually started a business that was very successful and has hired two or three more women to work for her. So that's kind of the benefit um, of it. So our goal for sewing, so we started the organization of Sewing Hope, and it's S-O-W-I-N-G, because our whole goal is um, to give hope, to create 
families that can be self-sustaining, that can create families that go from extreme poverty, maybe just to poverty, who can actually feed their kids and not be so concerned about food that they're actually able to take in the gospel of Jesus Christ and learn about him and to um, be um, effective servants for the Lord. And now I'm going to turn it over to Tim. I can imagine the, the mom coming home from sewing school, and uh, if she has a husband or a friend who asks, well, how was school today? She would answer, so-so. <laughs> Groan. <laughs> Don't encourage him. <laughs> the graduation, I just wanted to say that graduation is a big deal. They actually have... Uh, government official who comes and actually gives the certificate. It's a really a formal thing, and they've tried to make it as, as important in the life of the individual as possible. You know, the work that we do is a drop in the bucket. We're talking about a country that has been classed as tied with the fourth poorest country in the world. And so what we're doing is trying to help people move from abject poverty to a place of man- being able to manage life. And we don't do it ourselves. Um, one of the things from the story of, of Jesus is uh, he takes the little and, and magnifies it. He, he, he expands it. He makes it more fruitful. And this is our prayer. We pray, and, and God, God supplies funds for our work and allows us to, to move forward. And at the same time, it, it, it has a fruit in the lives of people. People's lives are being changed through the little work that we do. And we're just so privileged to be a part of that. Mm. Um, one of the opportunities that has come open for us is uh, there's been about 25 women who don't feel that they have the aptitude to learn to sew. There's a lot of like math skills and, and a lot of different skills that go into actually sewing and producing and running a business. And they just don't feel like they're capable of doing that. And they've asked us for funds to start um, a project that, where they would be growing rice. Um, so we are, we're praying about that. We don't exactly know what to do about that. We, we, don't, we want to create systems that become self-supporting. Um, and, and so we are looking for a way to, uh, to, to, to understand what's actually involved. We are hoping uh, to go to Burundi ourselves in August. We're way behind the, <laughs> the eight ball. We're, we're behind the curve on what needs to happen to get there just because of different things that we are going through. Leslie talked about a sense of having spiritual attack when you're trying to make forward steps. And we have a lot of family issues that have come up that are, that are been very burdensome and very time-consuming. So we're behind on that. But our goal and our hope is that we can go to Burundi in August to look at that project to just see what we can do to help support uh, the ministry over there, uh, to help Pastor, Pastor Boniface, who, who wears a number of different hats and does a number of different things. Uh, and is a really godly, wonderful person. Um, you may ask, well, how can we get involved? Well, if you could pray for us, you know, we, we are, we struggle. <laughs> uh, we both work, we're, and we're trying to uh, make things happen uh, in another country, and it's not always easy. Um, we would appreciate, we are also looking for someone to help us with our, our social media. Uh, we're both pretty uh, lame on that. Uh, so it'd be really great to find someone who could help us uh, in, in that area. Um, 
we also have financial needs. Um, we have a graduating class coming up in, uh, in the 10th of June, um, and we usually need about three, between three and $4,000. It depends on the exchange rate. It depends on, on, on inflation. Um, but um, So here's some ideas about things that you could do uh, if, if you want to contribute. One of the first things you can do is $20 pays for a month of expenses for a participant uh, to come to the school. Um, $50 purchases fabric that gets used. They have to have something to practice on, right? So this is part of the raw materials that allows the students to actually learn how to, to sew. And $50 pays for about a month of, of fabric. Uh, $150 subsidizes the cost so that a person who wants to actually buy a sewing machine can pay $100, we pay $150, and then they're set to go. $250 uh, buys uh, a sewing machine, again, that goes up and down, but that we need some more sewing machines for the school. Many of them are really old and worn, and they also need parts because they do repair what they have. They don't just <laughs> trash it. Um, and so these are some of the different, uh, the different ways, if you care to participate, that, that we would invite you to do so. And Dom, I think we're uh, just kind of winding down here. So um, as you come up, thank you for this opportunity to be able to share about Sowing Hope. Um, and uh, we hope that uh, God gives you a burden for, for, for this ministry. It's a very, uh, we are very small. <laughs> we're not looking to become the next world vision. Uh, we're just simply wanting to do what God gives us to do as, as he gives it. So there we go. <laughs> Want us to stay? Yes, stay, stay with me. Um, so I don't know about you, but I was sitting back there myself just with those two questions. God, what are you saying to me and what are you inviting me to do about it? Um, and I'm just, I'm grateful that, um, yeah, you guys were attentive. Leslie, you were attentive when you were there in that place and God gave you eyes to see what was going on, even ears to hear and the compassion to enter in and engage with the women and hear their stories. And then you had an idea, but you didn't just run with it and go, I know what the fix is. You, you entered into a process with the people there locally to figure out what, what's going on there. And I'm just sitting back there going, God, like, yeah, what, what's in my neighborhood? What's in my area? Where, where are the people who are the, you want me to have stories with? And I'd invite us all to be thinking about that, right? Like, it might not be starting a nonprofit for one of the fourth poorest countries in the world, but who are the people around you? Uh, that God wants to open your eyes to, your ears to, to hear and to engage compassionately to understand what's going on in their lives and how you can sow seeds of the gospel in their lives. That's what's, that's what's going through my head. I was listening. But also just, um, yeah, the, the, the ministry board has uh, heard this story. And, and Missio, as a, as a church right now, we're, we're meeting this Tuesday for a ministry board meeting. And uh, we're, we're wanting to commit and partner with Tim and Leslie um, as one of the ministries that Missio partners with, in addition to the other ones that we currently do. Um, but I asked them to share about those needs because um, I wanted to give us an opportunity always to be a people of faith and, again, to be listening. And maybe $20 is all you can give, or maybe you hear about a sewing machine and that's a burden that you have, or anywhere in between there. Maybe you don't feel the burden for it, but um, I'd be willing to bet that, there's, that there are some that have. And I'd be willing, I'd be willing to ask you, or I'm, I'm willing to ask you to partner in faith with Tim and Leslie to, to be a part of changing lives there in this place in a way of partnering with as Leslie said, Lord, here I am there. We get to say even this morning, Lord, here I am. What would you have me do in partnership with this work? And so, um, yeah, I'd ask you guys to, to do that, to consider and think about how we'd support them. 
uh, going forward in that. And you've asked us to pray for you. And so I, I want to do that this morning. So can we do that, family? Can we pray for, for Tim and Leslie and just ask God to bless what's going on? So, Lord, thank you so much for uh, being a God that is alive, that is real, that is risen, that is victorious, that speaks and communicates to us as your children. Thanks for giving us your spirit. And I'm grateful that, uh, yeah, you opened Leslie's eyes and ears to see what was going on there. And, and to prompt her by faith to respond. As she said, it's not hard, it's not, it's, it's not easy, it's hard. There's cost, there's sacrifice involved. And yet, as they do this work with you, I know that there's uh, great joy that they experience. And there's also um, ways in which you're continuing to grow and stretch their faith. Uh, Jesus, you said in your word that um, some plant and some water, but only you, God, can make things grow. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for the, the seeds that they have sown, the seeds of faith that have been sown, the seeds of hope that have been sown, the kingdom seeds that have been sown down there uh, in Burundi. And I just pray that you would, you would make them grow. We think of uh, Pastor Boniface and I pray a blessing mm-hmm. over him. Yes. Pray that you would fill him with your spirit and empower him, yeah. uh, strengthen him in, in his inner man and his inner being to mm-hmm. know the depth and the height and the breadth of mm-hmm. your love for him and to be able to partner with all the saints to know uh, just, God, that you're good. Would you continue to give them down there uh, a rich faith and a rich understanding of who you are? And I'm so thankful for the, that partnership, that there's a, a local pastor on the ground and uh, a local community that's being built up in mm-hmm. a church. And we just pray for their strength and their protection and their um, eff- effectiveness in sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I pray for Tim and Leslie as well, just your protection over them as they prepare and plan for uh, their trip in August. I thank you that you... God, everything's yours. It really is. We're just mm-hmm. stewards of it. So I pray that you would move resources in, in the direction uh, of sowing hope and in, in their direction in order that uh, they'd be able to make that trip happen and be able to supply mm-hmm. uh, sewing machines and uh, whatever else is needed to, to have a really awesome and beautiful, empowering graduation celebration, God. Um, pray protection over them. Pray your provision for them. And I pray your blessing. Would you continue, God, to pl- uh, just water and grow this seed uh, that has been planted through uh, Tim and Leslie's faithfulness, God. Um, would you bless them richly uh, for their faith and in exercising on behalf of others? Yeah, and Lord, for us as a church, as a community, I pray you'd continue to yeah, open our eyes and uh, call us up in faith, God, to, to see and to know how we can partner with you to continue to bring about your redemption and your healing in this world, mm-hmm. uh, both here locally in Portland and in our state, in our country, and around the world. Empower us by your spirit, God, to be effective witnesses of you uh, in this world that you created and you loved. So, yeah, God, this morning, um, you've spoken. I believe that. Would you give us ears to hear and faith to respond? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.